Hi, I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg, and we're the co-founders of The Skim. Welcome to our podcast, Skimmed from the Couch, presented by Delta. On every episode, we invite smart, inspiring, successful women to talk openly about what it takes to get to the top and what it's like when you get there. So this is a podcast about the real stuff, the crappy days, the bad advice, the first big career win, and the people who are there for the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. We started the skim from a couch, so we only have one rule on this couch, no BS. So sticking with the no BS theme of the show, we want to introduce you to a partner we are really happy to be working with for real, Delta. We use them all the time, pretty much every week. Yeah, upgrading to Delta Comfort Plus just takes the BS out of travel by giving you dedicated overhead bin space and extra legroom. And I always need extra legroom because I have a lot of legs. I was going to say that, but you can say that about yourself. <laughs> That's a That's weird thing fine. to say. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Delta. So today, uh, I'm wearing my glasses. I've been very smart today because we're interviewing a very smart woman. <laughs> very intellectual. Thank you. Yeah. Rashma Sujani, she is the founder and CEO of Girls Who Code, which I feel needs no introduction, but I think you need an introduction. <laughs> you are the first Indian American woman to run for Congress, mm-hmm. which I had no idea. And part of that, you really learned about the, the tech gap and education gap in this country with, yeah. with girls. Yeah. Um, and then you started Girls Who Code, which now reaches over 40,000 girls. Yeah. Yeah. So there's only one role on our couch, which okay. is uh, we, and, and we were just talking about this, that in uh, in today's world of social, there's so much of image and sugarcoating. And, and so here it's a BS-free zone. We're going to talk about what it's like My to actually a BS-free be in zone. Good. So I'm awesome. We do. Well, we love so you. Cheers. Yeah. You can already come back <laughs> welcome, whenever you want. Welcome to the couch. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Let's get started with what is the worst advice you've ever gotten? Hmm. Uh, to wait my turn in line. When I decided to run for Congress, it was like a crazy thing to do. I was 33. My average age in Washington's like 69. I was a brown girl whose name was Rashma Sajani. Uh, I'd never run for anything before. Even though I lost that race, like miserably lost that race, if I didn't lose, I would never have started Girls Who Code. So I want to unpack that. First yeah. of all, you're, you were 33, you said? Yep. Why did you run for Congress? Because what were uh, you doing before that yeah. you were like, I'm just going to do that now? So I've always wanted to make a difference. My parents came here as refugees. I like started, had my, you know, ran my first march when I was like 12 years old. Wow. What um, was that? So it was called, <laughs> great name, the Prejudice Reduction Interested Students Movement. You got better with marketing. I know. Yeah. A little <laughs> better at marketing. Right? I'm sure that like URL is available on GoDaddy still. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I was one of the only brown kids in my neighborhood. And I'd get bullied a lot. And so I felt like the way to do that is just to educate people. Mm -hmm. Like, no, my mother's not born with a dot on her head, you know? So I just wanted to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I graduated law school, grad school with $300,000 in student loan debt. I thought I'd move to New York City, get a job at a fancy law firm, pay that debt off in like two weeks, right? And I was so wrong. And I woke up 10 years later, just like literally coming home from work every day, like in the fetal position, because I hated my job. And I was watching, go ahead. What were you doing at the time? I was working at Fortress Investment Group in finance as a lawyer. I mean, like the okay. worst, yeah. right? Like the opposite you can get from like public service as you possibly can get. You don't have to say who, but is there a person now when you look at what you've built, you're like, if that person could see me now, I just want to be like, hey, you, like, look what happened to me. Like, do you well, ever think about that person? There is someone I can't say his name. Yeah. But when I was starting Girls Who Code, there was definitely a guy who's in venture investments, built a couple of successful companies who was like, that's a bad idea. Girls are just not as good at coding as boys are. Oh. Yeah. So you run for Congress. Yeah. 
What was Did that? anyone like support you? I mean, oh, what was that, that yeah. like? John Legend did a little concert for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it it's was very casual. Yeah, very casual. Um, it was beautiful. I'll never forget. But anyway, I got a lot of people support me. I'm like a quintessential hustler. Yeah. Right. And I think that I do believe, and I'm sure this is how what you face when you're first telling people about what you want to do. Yeah. Like, like energy and passion is like infectious. What was your platform? So I was running on tech. Um, and making sure that, because at that time it was... And where were you running? Running here in the Upper okay. East Side. So basically like the entire East Side of Manhattan. And I was running um, on innovation that jobs are changing and that we need to, you know, uh, create opportunities for women. I was running on a platform that we need to, we need new voices. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. know how to code? I didn't know how to code. And I wasn't really running on a coding agenda for my congressional, con- okay. my congressional race. But I was running, like, I basically have had a job since I was 12. Yeah. And I just felt like at that time, I still feel like it's not like a lot of people just didn't have access to the American dream, that we weren't thinking big enough, you know? Your story is like an amazing story when we talk about it today. Yeah. But before Girls Who Code, before you know how to code, before you become who you are, you lose the race. Devastated. Like, walk us through. Like, you crying? Like, did you, what was your temper tantrum? Like, so I thought I was going to win. Okay. Like literally. Okay. Is that like, because of the polling or because like no, we you didn't felt really do a so poll? <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you think? Because you said that you lost pretty badly. I so. just, I just, the energy and the yeah. excitement. And then when you meet people, like you, when you, because basically when you run for office, you do subway stop. Right. Mm-hmm. So you stand on subway, you're like, hey, did you vote? Did yeah. you vote for me? People are like, yeah, go. And they lie. Right. <laughs> basically. And yeah, so a lot of people lied to me. And I just <laughs> felt good. Yeah. I yeah. felt good. I remember I was literally emailing people the day of being like, go to the polls, we're going to win. It's, and, you know, we had gotten a lot of press. Right. Like, it's like, you know, front page of New York Times, above the fold, like twice, yeah. you know, like we, we had just created a lot of energy. And I didn't just lose, I got crushed. I got like 19% of the vote. So next day you wake up, are you just like a basket case? Do you leave your house? Like, where do you yeah. go? So next day I wake up in this like fabulous uh, New York City hotel room. Did you plan the, the victory party? No, like my supporters okay. did. Like my, all of my organizers had basically put all these colored post-its all over the room and like what we were going to do in Washington when we got there. And, you know, at a certain point when the election returns were coming, we're like this, we just knew. I didn't even write a concession speech. So I remember Ben from my team was like, let's go into the other room and talk. And he's like, it's not going to happen. Like, and I needed to call the congresswoman. I always just think like, how do you not burst into tears? So there was this young girl, Rebecca, who was about 17, 18 years old. And she was like my intern. So she would show up in my debt morning every day with like a cup of coffee and bagel. She traveled everywhere. And I remember her distinctly when we were in that hotel room, just looking at me because she wanted it. She wanted to see my reaction mm-hmm. and I couldn't cry for her. Yeah. So I literally didn't cry. I just had to go to my victory party. It didn't happen. Everybody's crying. I'm standing on this box. I'm just having to thank people over and over and over again. And then I came home and I lost yeah. it. Yeah. And how long were you in that state for before you started to think about, like, yeah. what's next? Well, I'm in this hotel room, like, on the upper side. My phone, I don't even want to look at it, yeah. right? Because I'm like, Twitter yeah. is like a bomb, right? And I had to take a cab to my apartment in the Lower East Side. And I just crawled in my bed. And my, my then boyfriend, Manal Husband, and my best friend were outside. And I remember Nahal was like already buying the URL for my next race, you know? But I was crushed. I was, I've never cried so much. And that's only half of the story. There's a lot more to come. But first, 
Delta gives you the choice to enhance your journey. That sounds lovely, and it is, with added comfort and amenities in Delta Comfort Plus. If you haven't tried this yet, you really have to. It gives you sky priority boarding, so you feel special, and you can get seated sooner. You get dedicated overhead bin space. You don't have to fight with your neighbor. You get to have peace of mind. Extra leg room, because who wants to be cramped? No one. And this is the most important. A wide selection of unlimited, underline it, unlimited complimentary snacks and drinks for your enjoyment. Now let's get back to the couch. So what I think is amazing is when we talk about what you built today, you have gotten 40,000 girls to code. You have truly changed the discourse around women and technology, the conversation around even women and girls thinking that that should be a part of a conversation. When we started the skim, you were already like a household name in terms of like, we should look to you as a, as a mentor. And so I want to kind of establish that as fact, because that is what you did. That is what you built. That is how you recovered. When you sort of unbundle that, what, once you're starting to build Girls Who Code, what was the, the toughest day? You know, I'm going to be honest. I think that Girls Who Code has very much been magic in the box. So it hasn't been, in, in the places where it's, where it's been hard, it's really, like, I often feel like someone should drop $100 million in my PayPal account, and I still have to fight for every $10,000 check. Like, I still have to fight yeah. that we should be educating girls. I was just speaking at an event in Chicago, and this woman raised her hand. She's like, why for girls, why not boys? I still have to have that conversation and what do you say to that? every day. Yeah, what do you I mean, I think I've put, you know, my legal hat on and I try to unpack the numbers for her and like yeah. why we need to do that. And then I probably at some point just get pissed and, you know, say things I shouldn't say. But anyway, I, we still have to have that conversation. They feel like it's gender parity for the sake of gender parity. And so the way that I speak about this in terms, is in terms of like the things that girls will build yeah. Yeah. when you give them access to technology. So I want to start with the data yeah. around it because yeah. I feel like that is something that you know, is now being talked about as like this societal issue in terms of like, you know, what is what we want to give our daughters and ourselves. But there's also a data set around yeah. it as to why this is yeah. a boon for the economy. And, yeah. and I think people really don't yeah, understand, understand it. it. Well, because we're still having conversations yeah. that coal jobs are coming back. So we know that, you know, automation is changing everything, right? There's 500,000 open jobs in computing. Almost every industry is going to be disrupted. So that's happening at a time mm-hmm. where women are becoming 45% of all of America's breadwinners. Many families are dependent on women to pay the mortgage, you know what I mean? Put food on the table. So we need women to go into jobs that that pay well Mm -hmm. so that they have a shot at the middle class. So that's what this is about, right? Mm -hmm. That there's all these open jobs. We only graduate 40,000 people a year, 10,000 of which are women, and half the population is female. And half of them are gonna be putting food on the table. we got to make sure that women are having a shot to get jobs in technology. How does it make you feel thinking about the the political climate now? And in the last race on both sides, Mm -hmm. talking about coal coming back or talking about, you know, that you can bring the jobs back. Yeah. How does that make you feel, like running an organization that is is totally geared around the future? I mean, it's devastating, too, because we have, you know, we we teach 40,000 girls, 30,000, probably half of them are in the Rust Belt. Mm Mm-hmm. So like we, That's really we have a club, for example, in Carrollton, Ohio. We just had did a short documentary on it. And you know, here's a family where, you know, the community has been rocked by the heroin epidemic. You know, the father drives an oil rig, you know, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. He has custody of his daughter. And he is t- 
tired, sick, exhausted, you know what I mean? The town doesn't have Wi-Fi at homes or in schools, but like 40 girls will meet at a club and girls at code club and learn how to code. And he doesn't want his daughter, you know what I'm saying? The same yeah. look that my father and our fathers had in their eyes. He doesn't want his daughter to go through what he went through. And so he knows that cold, cold jaws aren't coming back, right? And so he's making sure yeah. that his daughter has a chance why, at one of those jobs. That's why are story. you the person who is, has succeeded are succeeding in this mission? Like, what about you has enabled this to take off? I don't know, it's weird that it's me because I, I didn't major in computer science. I was a poli-sci speech communications major. I had two parents that were engineers. I hated math and science growing up or I thought I was bad at it. I came at this not from my own personal experience, but from the fact that like, I wanted girls to get opportunities. Can you code? Now I'm learning, okay. so uh, yeah, I can do. Can you I can, teach us? I can, <laughs> yeah, please. We'll do it. We'll do a lesson. So everyone in my in my team, everybody does a coding lesson every other week. And now with our books coming out, she was just showing this to me. It's like babysitters club yeah. for girls I who love code. This. So basically, as part of hearing these stories in Carrollton, yeah. so many parents in the access gap, we put our curriculum in a book because there are none right yeah. now. And we created like a graphic novel that tells like stories about Ada Lovelace and Grace Hopper and like amazing women. Yeah. And like the basic fundamentals about algorithms and variables mm-hmm. and, okay. you know, and so this is it. And then with this, we have a fiction book of the same five girls that meet in a coding club. So like think about Love babysitting it. club yeah, meets coders. What's amazing is like the story of computer science is told through the voice of girls. That's really, yeah. I want to go back to about you. What are you really good at? Like, why, why were you the one who was able to start, you know, these yeah. marches in high school, yeah. run for Congress at 33, yeah. like, build this empire? I'm relentless. Okay. Like, I'm just relentless. And I think that part of the thing that happened for me when I lost the race is, you know, it's like no Fs given. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. when you get crushed and you live to, like, fight another day, you realize like bravery is like, it's like a muscle that you're constantly exercising. So like I do things on a daily basis that other people are like, <gasps> that I don't even think about. Like, like is this why I live my life? For example, you know, I there was a tweet that I sent out about Ivanka Trump's book, mm-hmm. right? Which very much for me, it was like a gut reaction of like, you, don't use my story. Are you like this in your personal life? Like, are, what are you like when you're at a restaurant and you're, you're waiting too long for your table? Like, are you like that with customer service? <laughs> no, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Well, but are you like, but I mean, I don't mean like being that nice to people. I mean like, <laughs> but I mean, are you relentless in all parts of your life? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah I am. I mean, listen, I you know, had three miscarriages before I got pregnant and I was relentless about having a child. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, and, you know, said We're, no to my husband twi- three times before we actually got married because <laughs> I was relentless about figuring out who so I really wanted to spend my life. So he's relentless too. He's relentless yeah. too. Where does that come from? You know, I think it's like growing up with immigrant parents. You know, uh, it's, it was never good, good enough for my parents. I saw how much, how hard they worked. Mm-hmm. And we're reminded of that as, you know, we went to like Target. My dad had his 10 coupons, you know what I mean? To like save every penny. And I think that I get it from them. What are you worst at? What am I worst at? I'm bad at saying no. I need to get better at it. That's interesting. I know. I feel like that doesn't fit. fit. I think the the thing is, is that I feel so lucky that I've, figured out how to get here that I want to share my knowledge with others. Mm-hmm. So like when I get that email on LinkedIn of, yeah. I want, I'm trying to start right. a summer organization. Do you have five minutes to talk to me? My, my team wants to kill me yeah. because I literally can spend my that whole day with us. We struggle. So many people have emailed us and we feel so fortunate that they yeah. want to talk to us. And it's like, we're like, we're not a story yet that we feel like we well, can share our knowledge yet. I think and we talking, have to be focused. But that's, so that's what we do as women. That's not true, right? Because you are. You're but like, talking about yeah. being relentless, the way that I've started to deal with that is that I 
delete the emails when I get them. And then the people that follow up, ah, I give time to. That's smart. Because that is true. Like yeah. when you speak and people can I have your card, like 0.001% yeah. will actually email you. Right. And then how so, many are going to email you that's twice? Right. Right. That's right. And those are the people that's that a, I... That's a, I'm going to try that. Yeah. That's uh, a good one. My last question. Are you proud of yourself? Not yet. When you look in the mirror, do you ever take a moment and are like, holy shit, I felt something pretty cool? No. When do you think you'll be proud? When we close the gender gap. Okay. Well, Rashman, thank you thank so you. much for coming to the couch with us. I'm going to have more wine. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to, but I'll just have it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra.